So hey, how was your breakout sessions? Good? Yeah, I got to sit in on the cooking one and it was really good. Great job, Rachel. So obviously I have some more women up here on the couch with me. It's kind of a theme. Um, these are some really incredible ladies that are all from Conduit, with the exception of Erin, who was a Conduit in the past. Um, so they're women that I know intimately and have had the pleasure of um, knowing the stories that Jesus has been writing in their lives. And so I've invited them to sit up here with me today to share with you their stories. I feel like when I've been to conferences or retreats or things like that in the past, so often I hear these stories that are full arc. Do you know what I mean when I say that? Like I hear these stories from individuals who are like, I got to the other side. Like Jesus, he found me in this state and I got to the other side. And honestly, like sometimes like sitting in my seat, hearing those messages, it's a little bit bittersweet for me, to be honest. Like because I know that Jesus loves me. And I know that his will is good for me. But sometimes when I'm hearing those kind of stories, I'm sitting in my seat thinking like, but like, life around me really stinks right now. Like, I, I'm not there. I'm not over to the other side. I'm still right in the middle, and it's really hard. I'm in the middle of something that's just really hard day by day. And so... It's in moments like that that I feel like I've needed to hear half-arc stories. Like these stories where Jesus is right in the middle of the hard things. That we don't have to get to a point of arrival. He's not like, we're not climbing up a mountain and he's up at the top waiting for us. But like he's climbing with me. So I brought these ladies up on stage this morning because I feel that their stories will be encouraging for you in that sense. Their stories are stories that God is still writing, like all of ours, that they're still very much in the midst of the hard thing. And Jesus is climbing with them through the hard thing. So each of their stories is really diverse, which I'm really grateful for. So I hope that each one of you here today will find a story that you relate to. That in the midst of the hard thing that you're going through, Jesus is climbing alongside you. And sometimes that's the sweetest part, right? Like, if life, if things were really easy, like getting to the top of the mountain was super easy, we'd get to the top and we'd meet Jesus and be like, hey, and it would just be like kind of anticlimactic. But it's the climb with Jesus that makes the journey so stinking rich. Like, it's the fact that as we're climbing up that mountain, he's giving us water. And he's encouraging us and sometimes just distracting us because sometimes we just need distraction, right? Like, you're climbing and it's so grueling and it's so hard. But if you're thinking about how grueling and hard it is, it's so much more difficult. But, like, you're having lighthearted conversation with Jesus and he's surrounding you with a community of women who's distracting you from how hard it is. And all of a sudden, you look down and you're like, whoa, I am way further than when I, where I started. It's the climb that's really really valuable. And so I want to share, um, I want to share stories this morning of these women. Um, 
that are sitting up here on the couch with me who are in the middle of their climb with Jesus, um, just like I am and like I'm guessing many of you are, that are still in the midst of their hard thing. So I'm going to um, let Mr. Michelle sit in the hot seat for a moment. She's not happy to be the first one to be asked. By the way, it is very nerve-wracking to be on this couch looking at all of you. Lots of pressure. Um, so, Michelle, you ready for my first question? I'm ready. <laughs> Could you start us off today? Can you talk about what is the hard thing that Jesus is walking you through? I've had a lot of hard things. Um, one thing I've always thought is I'm not going to be a product of my environment. Um, I grew up with a dad who is... You good? You good? Who is a drug addict. And it was very difficult. And I promised that I would never... My kids would never see that. Um, later on in life, I have two young children. Um, I'm a single mom. Their dad passed away. It'll be eight years ago. And I feel like that's what Jesus is walking me through now. I don't necessarily know if that walk will ever have an end. Um, there are 10 and 15, and everything I do is for them. And like I said, I, I vouched to never be a product of my environment. Um, when their dad passed away, it was a... I've never felt so alone, even though we had our ups and downs. And a lot of times I did it all on my own anyways. When he passed away, I remember saying, like, I've never felt so alone. People avoided me. Nobody knew what to say. Nobody would make eye contact with me. Um, and I went into a restaurant one day to pick up lunch for where I was working. And a guy that was sitting in there who knew my story, he said, wow, girl, it's a pretty crappy hand you've been dealt. And I was like, oh, well, thanks, you know? And he's like, he's like, well, you know what? He's like, it's up to you how you're going to play those cards. And I thought, you know what? There's so much truth in that statement that I could have stayed in my bedroom and, you know, fell into and let life pass me by, just be depressed and not be a part of life. And I vowed to not do that and to to be there for my kids and to push them to do things maybe they don't want to do sometimes, but I, I need them to do. So they, they realize. And my daughter, who's 15, and she takes nothing away from anything I've ever taught her, is just to be strong and independent. Yeah, so Michelle shared those, that moment with me. Um, she shared that with me about two months ago over coffee. This, this moment when she walks into a bar shortly after her husband passes away and he said those words to you that like it's it's been eight years now is that what you said yeah eight now. like eight years have gone by and those words have stayed with you would you share them again with everyone what he said to you he just he said you know pretty crappy hand you've been dealt and he said but now it's up to you how you're going to play that that hand and i like i said it's just so true and every day I think about that statement and what our next move is going to be. Um, and there's been a lot of ups and downs since then. And like I said, I don't think it'll ever, I don't, I mean, they're still young and that journey will go on forever. I mean, I'll always be their mom. I'll always be their single mom. You know, every day is, they can't go to their dads for the weekend. You know, I don't have, I don't have dad to, to 
next, at the end of this month is a perfect example. Um, my daughter has a dance recital and my son has two baseball games. I can't be in two places at once. One of them is gonna have to be without me, you know? And that tugs on me. So your husband passed away eight years ago, and you came to Conduit shortly after I arrived, I think about two years ago, right? Mm-hmm, yep, it's been a little over two and years. And that was like, that was the beginning of your walk with Jesus. Uh, yep, I was, I was going through a really tough time. Um, after Jason had passed away, I lived like I was single with no kids. I went through a really just, I had to find myself. I didn't know, I was with him for 13 years. He was all I knew. Um, so I did, I lived like I was single with no kids. They had no idea. Um, I was always there every morning when they woke up and I put them to bed every night. But there was a babysitter in all those in between hours. And I'm not proud of that, um, but I needed to find who I was. And it's just, after, then I lost, I was between jobs and there was just things that were really going on in my life where I thought, I'm missing something. I, I just don't know what it is. And so we used to walk, me and a, a neighbor friend of mine, and she kept telling me, you know, go to church, go to church. And I remember that Sunday I sat here, and I swear I was the only one in the entire place. And I want to say it was Pastor Ben at the time. I think he was talking directly to me. And I remember looking at my friend Jen and saying, did you set this up? Like, this is just, like, it was so directed right at me. I could relate to everything. And for months, I would come in those doors and sit on Sunday and just cry because of the emotion that I felt inside and out. Like, just, I mean, from my head Jesus to my toes. Jesus was redoing yeah, it, like, like, from the inside out. Constant goosebumps, and I just didn't, it was, I was a ball of emotion. And then walking out that door, I felt like I could conquer the world. Mm. Amazing, every Sunday. And I hate to miss church on Sunday. That's like, that thing that you said is just so amazing, because that is exactly what I want. What I'm hoping that each one of us will take away today is that the hard thing might not change. Like, there's some hard things in our lives that may or may not change. We don't know. The story's open-ended. But what can change is the empowerment of Jesus walking along with us. And for you, that changed things. That was a game changer. And there's days where I'm like, are you on my side or are you not on my side today? You know, because sometimes I question, like, just because sometimes I feel like it's one negative. after It's like a a wall, maybe not a negative, but it's just like a wall, a hurdle, another hurdle, another hurdle. I'm like, when can I walk just a straight path and not... (laughs) have a hurdle for just a little Is there while. anybody in here who can't say amen to that? Like, <laughs> yeah. So um, Carly's here with us today. She's serving in the nursery, loving on your little ones, and she snuck in here to be with mom. Um, but Carly's such an incredible example of the legacy of, if I had to pinpoint a word, I would say resiliency that you're passing on to your kids. Because those words that that gentleman gave you that day in a bar on whatever back street, like, who would have known, right? He had no idea that his words would be so prophetic. But this idea that now you can decide how these cards will be played. I feel like you have taken that, those words, and like you've joined hands with Jesus and together you are giving this legacy to your children of no matter 
what comes across you in the future. You can do this. There was another time when I went through, after I was alone for a while, and then I was in a relationship, and that didn't work out. And I remember he, he cheated, and I packed his bags, and I think Carly was 12 at the time. And I was just like, I don't know what we're going to do. And she sat down next to me as I was sobbing, and she's like, Mom, we've gotten through this before. We can do it again. And that's when I knew that she was going to be strong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we, so she good. was right. We were going to so get through good. it. Yeah. So good. So um, I have someone else on the couch with me today that a lot of you know. Her name is Megan. And Megan, who really doesn't want to share with you today, she really had to be convinced to be up here. Um, Megan has been living with a chronic illness since she was just two years old. She was diagnosed with it. So your hard thing, it's been around pretty much as long as you can remember. Yep. Can you share your diagnosis with us and share about what the journey of that illness has been like? So at the age of two and a half, I was diagnosed with a genetic condition called neurofibromatosis. It um, forms tumors inside and outside of the body, both of which I have. I have a brain tumor and a tumor on this arm, and then I had a tumor removed from my left lung. They've done everything that they really can do to help me through the process. I had brain surgery, and during that process, they did more damage than they did good. They did damage to my optic nerve, leaving me legally blind, and they did damage to my pituitary and thyroid. Um, Then they did chemo, and the chemo made the tumor grow. And we, my mom, who's in the audience, and my sister, took me to Boston Children's for a second opinion, and they asked us to come back as soon as possible for radiation treatments. So my mom, my sister, my grandma, and I all went back. My sister here, Jessica, um, has had to suffer through this with me, which I appreciate. Um, My mom and I went to Boston for those three months of radiation treatments where they were just able to stabilize the tumor. Um, the condition has really put a damper on my life, but I try every day to just wake up and think of others who are struggling worse than I am. Um, I suffer with headaches. I really struggle. And something that's been really, really hard lately is um, not being able to drive. I have my master's degree uh, in social work, and I've been turned down from multiple positions because I am unable to drive. So doctors have told you that your condition isn't going to go away. The condition will never go away, no. And you're only 26 years old. 26 years old, yes. Tell me about why walking with Jesus is a game changer in that diagnosis. Since I haven't had a really great relationship with Jesus, and I feel like it's just beginning to blossom, and I struggle with blame and doubt and guilt a lot, but that's something that I've really been working on. Um, The pain, why me, um, something that I always try to remember is that there are people out there with so much 
more going on in their lives that they just need that prayer and strength and encouragement from someone who is experiencing something hard in life. Yeah, and I've seen that. I've seen that in you multiple times. So we have here at Conduit, we have a second location that's on the north side of the city. Um, it's in the back room of a laundromat, of Papa Joe's laundromat, and um, we have church there on Saturday nights. And it looks nothing like church that you know. Like some days, it feels like there's a full moon. It is a little crazy in there. Um, last week was a great example of that. Um, but it's this really incredible intersection point that we have with the need of the city. And Megan, for about the last year, has been serving there on Saturday evenings with all of her heart and soul. So it's this really interesting thing that like, the people that from the outside you would say like they're wearing a weakness, right? They have this weakness, um, this, this hard thing that isn't gonna go away. And yet define them in a position where they choose to be a hope bearer in spite of that hard thing is really, really incredible. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so like, it brings to light the verse, you know, that Christ's strength is made perfect in our weakness. And I feel like I see that exemplified in your, in your life in such an incredible way that um, Christ's strength is made perfect in your weakness every day, but I see it every single week at Conduit North. Tell me about why you've chosen to serve. I feel like serving others just gives me the power and motivation to go on with life and be able to make that impact mm-hmm. in others positively. So I have someone else on the couch with me today. She also doesn't want to share. I don't know what's with these people. Like, it's like I dragged them up here. Um, I did. Um, so I have Kara on the couch with me. And Kara's also living with a chronic illness. Um, Kara's is a little bit different. Kara is living with, don't you dare look at my questions, girl. <laughs> um, Kara is living with depression and anxiety. And that condition really came to a head in 2016 um, when you attempted to take your own life. Um, So I know that this is an incredibly difficult thing to talk about, and I really, really appreciate your bravery today and willingness to be up here on stage because I know that you are not alone, that there are people in this room that are struggling with the exact same thing or have been on that exact same precipice before of should I take my own life? Is it worth it to keep living? And so thank you for being willing to share your story with us this morning. Can you share some details about what it's been like to live with that and what, what that moment was like in 2016? Um, there were a lot of things that I, I feel led up to that. Mm-hmm. And... Um, it all just kind of came to a head at once, and I just decided I was done. And I think after the fact, I felt even worse because obviously it, I, I failed the attempt. I'm here now. Um, and I, I felt even worse because my whole life I had struggled with um, not being good enough and feeling like everyone was better than me and no one was really my friend. They were just kind of you know, being nice or whatever. And um, 
I felt that I, you know, I had failed at that too. So, you know, my journey is still, still going. I still struggle with it I, daily. But you've chosen life. Yes, it will be two years ago this weekend will be when that yeah. was. So we can't go absolutely any further in this interview without absolutely everybody in here standing on your feet. Kara, stand on your feet, and everyone else in this room, stand on your feet, and please applaud Kara. That is two years of choosing life. of choosing life is no small accomplishment and we're so proud of you. you. We've had the privilege of walking alongside you here at Conduit and can say that we've seen Jesus in you and through you so many different times. Um, I did kind of a crazy thing this morning by asking not only Kara to be up on this stage but to ask her mom Holly to join us as well. Um, felt like it was really important that we heard both Kara's story from her perspective, but also from the perspective of her mom, who's walked alongside her through this struggle. Because if you're not the person in this room this morning that identifies with Kara, then you're the person that identifies with Holly. Because I would say that almost every one of us in the room this morning are either the person suffering from some kind of chronic mental illness or chronic sickness like Megan or um, some kind of addiction or you are the person that is walking alongside a loved one who is suffering from those things. And so I want to hear your, I want to be able to share Holly's perspective this morning as well for those of you who are walking through that. And it's a thing that you, you need to be encouraged that Jesus can walk through that with you too. So, um, you know, it's interesting because, Holly, I relate so much to your story. Um, my father was an alcoholic and ultimately passed away um, from that in 2009. And I have another family member who is a recovered addict. And so I get what it's like to be in the shoes of someone who is walking alongside someone. And every day is this like tender walk of like, not today, not today, Satan. Like, I will do what I can, anything in my power to make sure that my loved one makes it through today. So I'm... I'm curious to know if you would share with us what kind of lessons has Jesus been teaching you through this season? Okay. Um, I, two years ago, um, we were, our immediate family was surrounding Kara through a period of probably 36 hours of not knowing if she would live. And probably up until that point, um, I'm a mother, probably typical, I want to fix everything. And this was something that I could not fix. I had no control of what was going to happen to her. 
and I, I needed to give it to God, and I needed his strength um, to get me through that moment and trust that he would help her fill in all those gaps. Um, and there's still days where, you know, I want to fix her. I want to help her above and beyond. And I find that that doesn't work. <laughs> um, I need to, like, let go. The term let go and let God has really been just my motto, especially the past few months. You know, she's um, a real adult. <laughs> she wants she That's moved away. That's moved yeah, away. Out of your house. Right? Um, I don't know what she's doing every second. Um, yeah, it's hard for you. Yeah, it's very hard. <laughs> <laughs> um, and trust that um, she's leaning more to God than me when she can't talk or be physically near me, that she's leaning in the right way. Yeah. So it's, um, I was actually thinking of you this morning when Nicole was sharing about the idea of surrender. Yes. Surrender. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That seems surrender. to be like when you're in, you're in the loved one role, surrender is everything. Yes. It is really in all of our roles, right? Um, and you would say that that's the thing that's getting you through. Yes. Of, you're, you're not living in a place of anxiety of every moment, like, oh, clock is ticking, clock is ticking, is everything okay, is everything okay, is everything okay, because day by day, you're surrendering it to the feet of Jesus. Yes. Um, I always, every, Kara and Holly have this incredible relationship. They're constantly posting pictures together on Instagram, and I am <laughs> constantly, it feels like on every single one, commenting, like, relationship goals, like, can I want to have the same relationship with my daughters. Um, so I'm really grateful to both of you for being willing to bring us into that space of your relationship, that vulnerable, tender spot this morning, and um, letting us have a glimpse in of what, it's, of what it's like for Jesus to manifest himself in that vulnerability, in that tender spot of your relationship. Um, would you say, Kara, that there, what is the thing that every day is making you choose to live? Um, my, my family and the, the ones who care about me, you know, mm -hmm. like I remember when all of that happened and I was in the, when I came to in the hospital, I'll, everybody who visited me and, you know, came and said, you know, like, what would we do without you and all of, you yeah. know, it really made me realize that I'm not alone, even though in my mind every day I hear like, no one likes you, you're, you're not worth it. It's just, you know, it's, it really just kind of opened my eyes to show me that I'm not. Yeah. So it's this, like Jesus walking with you through the mountain, but it's this too. Definitely. That horizontal relationship with others is what yeah. anchors you and mm -hmm. reminds you today's a day worth living. Right. And it's, it's been really hard, like with my move, I don't have a lot of people that I know. So I don't have that horizontal in my life every day anymore. Yeah. So I've definitely been struggling a lot more mm -hmm. than I've gone, but you know, just gotta wake up every day like it's new. Yep. And, yep, so proud of you. 
So I also have Erin on the couch. I promised her that she would be last, like very, very intentionally. Yeah, I was like, I'm sorry, you're going to be the last thing before lunch. People are going to be hungry. Um, but I left, I left Erin for the last because I feel like the very specific climb or the hard thing that Erin is going through is something that can be masked as not hard. But girl, <laughs> it's freaking hard. Like from someone in my seat with three little ones under six, four under four is just insanity to me. Like what you are doing day by day, although parenting is this incredible blessing, is also just overwhelming and consuming. So um, your four little ones who are up on the screen, as you can tell, they have all been just like bam, 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 born right in a row. Um, when I arrived at Conduit in March of 2016, you had one child. <laughs> and two years later, you have four. <laughs> How does that happen? I don't know. Erin's um, <laughs> husband, Quint, was on staff when I first arrived here. And it's kind of like this running joke at Conduit that Erin um, can get pregnant even when she's pregnant. It's kind of like um, if we were to put a hashtag to that, it would be like, um, the miraculous conception. Erin is always pregnant. Um, so all jokes aside, you are stay-at-home momming for little ones, one of whom is still nursing, who's here today. Um, and they require all of you every minute of the day. And that is an uphill climb that in Christian circles, we just don't name enough. Um, so essentially you have to wake up every single day and die to yourself. There is like so much Christ-likeness that has to happen in you every day. And so I'm, I'm curious if you could just tell us about what your perspective is of what is this, what is this battle, even though it's a blessing. Cool. Well, first of all, I feel super humbled to even be on this couch, and I feel almost laughable to be up here, but um, just because how brave are these people that I'm sitting next to? So brave for yep. sharing their stories. They did awesome. So, um, but yes, we have four children that are now four and under, and um, it is a crazy, absolute crazy life. Um, <laughs> every day, it is waking up, it's saying, okay, yesterday was eh, today's going to be better, you know. Really, <laughs> life, it, this is true of life, but it, it's true of parenting, huge. It's seasons, that's all it is. And right now, we're in a really crazy hard season. Um, there are seasons that aren't going to be as hard as this. And in fact, I just, I brought this, I just came across this yesterday. So a lot of you know our daughter Charlotte's story. She was born 11 weeks early, only eight months and one day after our son Preston. And she was in the NICU in Buffalo for eight weeks. This was actually one of the diapers that she wore when she was first born. I mean, I, I can't even believe looking at this. I know, how tiny is this, right? Quinn would say all the time, she's the size of a bottle of water, and that was like, it's essentially true. It was, so she was two pounds, 12 ounces when she was born, and that season for our family was so hard. I was hospitalized for 10 days in Buffalo. We had two small boys at home that... I essentially care for completely. Um, my husband works, and you know I left him today, and he's like, "Please come home." You know, <laughs> so I dropped Bennett off at lunch. He's like, "What do I feed these kids?" I'm like, "I spent two hundred dollars on groceries yesterday. If you can't figure that out, I can't help you." You know, <laughs> so 
anyway, so th this season was hard. Even after Charlotte was born, she was there for eight weeks. We were 90 minutes away from the hospital, two small boys at home. I felt torn all the time because if I was with her, I felt like they were needing me at home. And when I was with ho at home with them, I knew she needed me there. And I just, I couldn't be in two places at once. And so I really had to trust at the beginning of her stay that I needed to be home more because our boys, especially our oldest Anderson, who was only two and a half at the time, he was seriously messed up by my hospital stay. And it took like six to eight weeks to really get him back on mom's not leaving, you know? Um, he was really, I think he felt abandoned, honestly, but in his little two and a half year old brain. So I needed to be with them more. And then as Charlotte neared the end of her stay, I knew she needed me more because she needed to break out of there. And that was really how she was gonna fully recover was to be home with her family. And I knew that and I needed to advocate for that. So, but that season now I was just reflecting on it on my way here, it's done, it's over. The chapter is essentially closed in that part of my life. And it's those hard things, the things that they're talking about up here, those are the things that really show you like who you're, what you're made of, you know, and what you can actually do. And it really banded me and my husband together. And in fact, it gave us 90 minutes twice, well, twice a day. So like three times a week where we were alone in the car together, which never happens, you know, where we got to talk and we got to like reconnect. And it was really actually a beautiful time for the two of us as we fought through this together for our family. And, and so, you know, that, that is what it is. It's, it's hard, but it's, it's a good heart. So, yeah. So how, how in the world, because like you make it sound like the season's easier and I'm like four under four, <laughs> that just doesn't, oh my gosh, how are you doing it? How are you keeping your head above water every single day? What is the thing that makes you feel like when you like are waking up in the morning, your eyes first open and there's someone crying because you know there's someone crying if you're waking up and you have four under four. Right. Um, like what is the thing that says to you, you can do this again? Well, this, I actually, I have my phone up here because I want to share this verse. This verse has been um, huge to me. It's one of me and my husband's favorites. Hold on, my kids broke my home button on my phone, so now I have to have a shortcut to get to my home button, which is so annoying, but workable. So um, it's Romans 12, 1 and 2, and I'm going to read the message translation. But this, this is really what I go into every day trying to accomplish. And my husband loves to say success is doing the best with what you have where you're at. He loves to say that. And so really at the end of each day, I'm like, well, a lot of days I can say, I, I think I was successful today. Some days I'm like, that was just a wash. Let's start again tomorrow. You know? So this is what it says. It says, so here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your, sleety, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. So that's it's really what I try to do. I mean, if you know if you're a mom, how many moms are there out there? Probably a lot. How many of you left your husband with like an inordinate amount of kids to come here today? How many of you laughed a little bit on your way out the door? <laughs> I did too. So, but that is what it is. It feels so thankless. It, and it is thankless. It's really thankless. But it's your everyday, ordinary life. You're sleeping, you're eating, you're walking around life and presenting it to God as an offering. And, you know, that is, that's what being a mom really is all about. So. Yep, absolutely. And so that's what I love about this. And I was really excited for them to be able to all come up on the couch today because 
our stories, no matter how messy or how complicated they seem, when they're not up here in our face and we have the perspective of like, I can see all the way around it, we know that the most beautiful, fragrant, expensive, valuable offering that we have to Jesus is our everyday lives. It's our stories. And so I'm so appreciative to each one of you for choosing to share that, to allow all of these people here into that place in your life to pour out, in essence, your story as a fragrant offering to the Lord this morning. Um, is there anything that any one of you would like to add on? Do you want to make no a final word? <laughs> you betcha. <laughs> I think that there's a saying that just kind of rings true that everybody's has a story that you know nothing about. I mean, if you sit there and look at us, you have no idea what's going on in a single one of our lives or what our daily struggle is. But yet, we push forward because that's the only choice we have. And we're going to keep doing that. And I think it's just there's so much truth in that statement. Like, be kind to people because you don't know what their everyday struggle is. And on the outside, they might look like they have it all together. And when Nicole was up here preaching about your closet, the tears were strolling down my face because I don't care who you are, you've got something in your closet. And it's just the way it is. Absolutely. And I think it's so valuable that not only in like this formal, we have a white couch up here, we're storytelling way, but that we get into community and tell our stories as often as we can because people need to know they're not alone. And that's one of the main ways they can know they're not alone is if you say, hey, I've lived through that and I get it. Let me tell you my perspective of what happened to me. That is really interesting. <laughs> I have no idea. Um, in Revelation chapter 21, um, in the Bible, speaking of end times, um, so it speaks of followers of Christ who persevered in Revelation chapter 1 and who were crowned with the crown of victory of life. And, um, and it says in chapter 21 of those conquerors, it says they got there by conquering by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. Story sharing is value added to your life for the storytellers and value added to everyone around you. So don't hesitate when there's an opportunity that you can offer up your story. It will encourage both you and the people around you. So often we believe this myth that we have to have arrived somewhere to share our story or to have enough value to share your story. But Jesus is in the midst of the haven't arrived yet of your story. He doesn't see an arrival point that you have to get to. He doesn't look down from heaven and he's like, yeah, she's, she's like halfway where I want her to be, or like she's a quarter of who I want her to become. He looks down at every single one of you and calls you beloved. He looks at your story and says, my daughter, you are perfect. You are beautiful and you are mine. So do not hesitate to story share or to story tell with those that are around you because your story that he is writing is worth sharing. In 2 Corinthians 12, 9,
the Apostle Paul says to the people that he's writing to, three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with my weaknesses, with the insults, with the hardships, with the persecutions and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am made strong. Child of God in this room this morning, it is in your weakness that you are made strong in Christ. May you know this so deep that it penetrates your heart and pervades every part of your ordinary daily life. And when you fail to remember it, may you be surrounded by other brave women who will remind you that God is in the middle of the hard thing. Let's worship.